In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Thank you so much. So today's gospel is one that, as I'm reading this gospel, I'm thinking to myself, is there anyone who doesn't love this gospel? Like, is there anyone who reads this gospel and doesn't just put a smile on their face? If I had to think of it, I like to, to, to think of like titles, like summarize today's gospel. Like if today's gospel was a, uh, like a sitcom, what would be the title of today's episode? What would you say? Huh? It doesn't have to be one word. It could be one phrase. That's okay. What would you say? You can do one word. How would you summarize today's gospel? A lady? Y'all just heard it read to us. It's very short, very sweet. Okay, it's only six verses. Lady who was a widow, who had a son, who that son died. Okay, so she has lost her husband, widow, and she's lost her son. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up, and the son raises from the dead. What would you summarize it and say? What would you caption it? Huh? Miracle? Okay. Compassion? Okay. I couldn't think of a clever way to say it. You know, I like to not just come up with something, but I like to make it clever or rhyme or something like that to make it easy to remember. I didn't get anything clever on this one. But what I wrote down here is hope walking down the street. Hope walking down the street. Like, this is a day where Jesus doesn't, like, we think sometimes, like, where is hope? We all want hope. Everyone wants hope. We're looking for hope. We got a problem that can't be solved. We got a situation that needs prayer. We, we're all looking for hope, looking for hope. Well, here, hope is walking down the street, literally. And when I say literally, I use literally to mean literally, not the way it's often used today, which is not literally, okay? Literally means literally because Jesus would say he is the hope of us all. And there's the hope walking down the street, just to set the scene for you right here. It said, it happened the day after that he went into the city called Nain, and many of his disciples with him in a large crowd. The starting point here is the day after. The day after what? You have to get kind of the context. So if you, this is Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 11. If you read the beginning of Luke 7, you'll see it was a great miracle that took place. That was the daughter of the centurion, that Jesus did a fantastic miracle. So here you have Jesus doing this fantastic miracle over here, and everyone's so happy in this great miracle. And now Jesus has done the miracle. They have the coffee and the tea. Dessert is over. And now Jesus is on to the next town. And as he's walking to the next town, this is what it says right here, the day after, he went to a city called Nain, and many of his disciples with him in a large crowd. When he came near the gate of the city, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the city was with her. So I picture it as a crowd of people walking this way, and then a crowd of people this way in an intersection. So the crowd of people walking this way, what's the vibe? Word that my daughter taught me, the vibe. What's the vibe of this people? What's the vibe here? Okay. Huh? Well, let's do the Jesus people first. Jesus after just did the miracle. What's the vibe? Yeah, laughing, joking, praising. This is the best. Glorify God. This is incredible. And this is Luke 7. So this is still relatively early on in the ministry of Jesus. So this is like, this is like we, we think Jesus is very special. But like every day we're realizing he's really, really special. Like he's doing stuff that the world has never seen before. We can't believe the stuff that's happening right here. So this, this, this procession is, this is incredible. Could this be the Messiah? Could this be God on earth? Like, who, who is this, this great man? And then there's another procession that's coming this way. And they run into each other. And what's the vibe of this procession? 
Sadness would not be accurate. Sadness would be 1%. Because if you've ever seen, this is the Middle East. You ever seen a Middle Eastern funeral of a widow who lost her son? I have been with people who've lost their children. It's the worst thing imaginable. Like what makes this story... Okay, so let me take a step back. Okay, just... This is the fourth Sunday of the Coptic, second Coptic month of the year. Every Coptic month has four readings in it, and there's usually like a theme to those readings. Okay, so let's do a little... Who knows what the name of the first Coptic month of the year is? Toot. It's very easy to remember because it is toot. Okay, so you think of the train. The train is leaving the first of the month. The month, first a month is called toot. Say toot. Toot. Very good. Very easy to remember. The second month, which we are in right now, I don't even know the name of the second month. Beba or Baba. Some say this Beba, some say Baba. I think of, it's B-A-B-A-H. You know the elephant, Babar? Okay, so I think of the elephant with the H instead of the R. Okay, so Baba, or you can think of your dad, Baba, something like that. So the first month is called? Toot. The second month is called? Baba. Let's go extra credit, the third month, which starts next week. Hatur, very good. And Hatur sounds like Hatur. Okay, that's how I think of it, okay? Like my kid did Taekwondo, it's Hatur. So those three are kind of the, the, the first, that's Q1, shall we say, okay, of the church readings. And in Q1, the theme is all about the almighty God, the power of God. The, the, and the reason why is because what is Q2 going to begin with? What's the first month of Q2? What's after Hatur? Kiach. Okay, that's another, we'll get to that one in a little bit. And that begins Q2, which is all about the incarnation. So the first quarter is all about the almightiness of God, because soon we're like almighty, 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 almighty. You agree almighty? Okay, great. Now see the baby, the helpless baby, that's the almighty. And the incarnation is powerful only if you understand the almightiness of God. Okay, but that's, that's not our subject for today. Anyway, the month of Baba, this is the fourth Sunday. Who remembers what the last three Sundays were? Because they all build on each other, sort of. Any remember any of the gospels of the last three Sundays? You will receive the greatest extra credit on the planet. Okay, you will receive not communion first. You'll receive communion as many times as you want. Okay, you just stand next to me. I give one to the person, one to you every time. Last three Sundays. Any remember any of them? Jesus. Someone said Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Jesus was. <laughs> Jesus. Yes. Okay, the sinful woman. The sinful woman. Yes. Was that? Yes. Okay, that's one. The demon possessed was last week. Okay. The paralyzed man. Actually, I think the sinful woman was the last one of the last month. Sorry. I don't think it was the sinful woman. Not the tax collector. It was another miraculous one of a guy fishing. Peter. It was the paralyzed man. It was Peter in the boat. We, we toiled all night, haven't caught any fish. And then it was last week, the paralyzed man. The, the sinful woman was the one before. So that's why you tricked me a little bit when you thought that was the... Each of those was a hopeless situation. Paralyzed man, hopeless. Peter toiled all night, frustrated, nothing, hopeless. And then last week, the paralyzed man, hopeless. But if you ask me, today's lady is more hopeless. 
You know why? Like when you said earlier, that was sad. Those are all sad. Paralyzed man is sad. Demon possessed is sad. Worked all night and caught no fish, that's sad. But today's is worse. Why? Two reasons why. Okay, number one, he's dead. So when you're paralyzed, it's like, let's fast and pray. There's still hope. Or, you know, we just haven't seen the right doctor yet. Or no, it's, it's this, I read this blog. This is the thing that's gonna solve it. If I take this and I take it in this, or even there's still voodoo, there's black magic. Like there's still hope out there because you're alive. So even you're paralyzed, even you're demon possessed, there's hope. But this guy's dead. There's no hope for dead. But this is another reason why I think it's even more. Why do you think this is even more? Exactly, because it's, it's, it's a son. Parents, is there any parent that will disagree with the following sentence? That whatever happens to me, no problem. But when it's my kid, that's the worst feeling on the planet. Like, is there a parent here who hasn't experienced that my kid is sick and I will take, like, take my, my kid, just take what, my lungs, and give it to them. Take my arm here, just give it to them. Because there's nothing, being sick without hope, having a situation, but when it's with your kid, and it's your only kid, every parent knows how that can, how that can feel. So anyway, so here's Jesus walking down the street, laughing and joking. Here's this lady who's hopeless and who feels like I have no reason to live and exist. Take me, Lord, is what she for surely said. Take me, give me back the son. Take me, give his life, take mine. And then Jesus is hope. He is the hope of, of the world. He is the hope of us all. And she runs into hope. And here's what happens. Okay, I, I want to, to go through this gospel real quick. Three things happen. One thing happens whether or not you know it happens or doesn't. But the other two are very important. So one thing, the first thing that happens, a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord blank her, saw her. So number one thing that's very important is that when you are in that hopeless situation, it feels like nobody sees you. It feels like, doesn't it feel like, hey, I'm hurting. I'm dying on the inside. And then I come to church and everyone's laughing, and everyone's joking, and the priest is like, God is so great, and hallelujah, this is the day the Lord has made, let us rejoice, and you're like, I'm not rejoicing. I'm suffering, I'm struggling, and it seems like nobody cares. It seems like, forget about nobody here, it seems like nobody cares. It seems like all you care about is, say, Kyrie eleison, Lord have mercy, and do fasting, and do prostration, but you don't really care about what's happening in my day-to-day -day life. And the answer to that is never, not true. Just because you don't see him caring doesn't mean he's not caring. The Lord didn't walk by the Samaritan woman and not care. He saw her. The Lord didn't walk by Levi. The Lord didn't walk by Zacchaeus. The Lord didn't walk by that sinful woman. And the Lord didn't walk by this funeral procession of a woman who is hurting so badly over the loss of her son. He never just walks by. He never just walks by. He always sees, he always has compassion. That is his nature. And when he sees her, he does two things. Well, he does sort of two things. Yeah, two things, sort of. He does something and he says something. Okay, so this is the way Jesus works. So if you are in need of hope, I promise you that when you run into the hope of the world, hope walking down the street, hope will do two things. Will touch you and will say something to you. It's a touch and a say. This is what it said right here. It said that he came and touched the open coffin. And, he, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. So those two things. First he said, do not weep, but that one was, we'll skip that one. 
He came and touched the coffin and he spoke and said, I say to you, arise. He touched and then he commanded. He touched and then he commanded. That's why I'm skipping over do not weep. Because what we want is do not weep, do not weep, don't be sad, we want comfort. And he is comfort, but he's not just comfort. And if you're praying just for comfort, you're looking for comfort, that's good. We all want comfort. But truthfully, if it's me, I don't want comfort. I want an answer. Like, I want my son back. Don't just comfort me. I want my son back. And he comes to this lady and he touches, comes to the son, touches and says. Let's start with what did he say? What did he say to the young man? I say to you, arise. He gave him a commandment. Now, here's the thing. Could the young man, follow me here, the humor me on this one. Could the young man arise? No. When Jesus went to the paralytic man, he says, take up your bed and walk. Could the paralytic man take up his bed and walk? Like Jesus asked him to do the one thing he could not do. The paralyzed man, tell him to pray, he can pray. Tell him to sing, he can sing. Tell him to repent, he can repent. But the one thing you can't ask me to do is take up my bed and walk. That's the thing I want you to do. Take up your bed and walk. He says to a dead man, arise. Like, tell the mother to do something. She can arise. But he tells the man to arise. I believe. Sometimes people come to me and they're in a hard time. You ever been in a hard time? We've all been in a hard time. And my response is, are you reading your Bible? And they're like, Father Anthony, what does the Bible have to do with anything? Like, yeah, it's nice to sing songs and bring the cell, but are you reading your Bible? No, are you reading your Bible? You know why the Bible is so important when you are in, the Bible is important at all times, but especially when you're going through hard times, because I promise you that what happens, Jesus always does it, is he gives us a command. And usually, usually the command, I'm sorry to say this, has nothing to do with the problem. Did you know that? The command has nothing to do with the problem. There was a, once was a blind man who couldn't see. And Jesus said, okay, the solution to you, I give you a command. What's the command to the blind man? Go walk over there and take a bath. Wash your face. Why? Like, is the problem that I'm not clean? Is the problem that if I shower, the blindness will go away? And me and you, American, 21st century, why? 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 What's the connection between that and that? And the answer is, there are, sometimes there's no connection that we see. But the one who meets hope doesn't ask questions. And when hope says, go and forgive that person, you say, what's the connection between that and that? Just obey. When hope says, go in and repent for what you've done, what's the connection? When hope says, listen. When hope says, stop throwing a temper tantrum. When hope says, trust. When hope says, give. When hope says, serve. When hope says, our problem is we question. <clears throat> Nowadays, we are in the, in the uh, a knowledge age. We have the internet and we look things up and the Google and the chat GPT and things like that. But back in the day, and this is truly like, I'm not making any statements about anything. I'm just back in the day, you went to the doctor, doctor, my knee hurts, take this medicine. You took it. That's it. Today, what happens if the doctor tells you to take medicine? You Google it. And you tell him, actually, I already Googled this. I'm not in favor of this. I want this. And I'm not saying good or bad. Like I'm not here to, 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 to make statements about the healthcare. So I'm not saying it that way. But what I'm saying is, when the doctor tells you to do something, you do it. When the doctor tells you to do something, you do it. We have a disease in us 
that thinks that if I don't understand, I don't need to do it. And you know the only person that suffers? Like the doctor doesn't suffer if you don't take the medicine that you don't understand. Who suffers? It's the patient. And I feel the same way is that God comes to this lady, comes to this boy and says, arise. And everyone around is like, Jesus, say something else. Like that's the only sermon you got is arise. Say something. Say something. Give something. No. What they need to hear is arise. And I promise you, I promise you, like if I could do eye contact with every single person, I promise you, you're in your hopeless situation, God's going to come to you with a command. I promise you. I'm not saying today or tomorrow, but I promise you, God is going to come to you with a command. Stay in your Bible. Stay close to your Bible. God is going to come to you with a command. And just because you don't see the connection, you'd be foolish to ignore that command. That's number one. Then he did the other thing. In addition to saying, he did what? He touched the open coffin. Why is that a big deal? Why is touching the open coffin? It's a big deal. When Jesus touched the open coffin, the crowd response was, Why? It's unclean. They had their, they had their, uh, their hygiene regulations. You couldn't touch a dead person. Made a dead person was unclean. A person who touched a dead person was therefore unclean as well. Like it was a whole thing. Okay, their purification. They had their... But Jesus came in and Jesus said, touch. I think Jesus wants to speak to us in our hopelessness. And I also think he wants to touch us. Now, what's the touch from Jesus? What's the touch? So there's two ways we can look at the touch. The first thing we can look at it is in a sacramental nature. And the touch, receiving the body and blood of Christ, which we're all about to receive. And I'm not saying that's not true. That's 100% true. But I want to talk about a different touch, which I also think God wants to give to us. Jesus here, or this boy, was touched by the body of Christ. He was touched by the body of Christ. The hand of Christ. Okay, or the elbow of Christ, or the feet of Christ. Where is the body of Christ today? Who is the body of Christ? How can God physically touch me today? This is the body of Christ. This is the body. And let me tell you something. I think a lot of us, we're missing out on this. It's so often God wants to come to me and encourage me and fill me and give me and give and all that stuff. God wants to. But do you know the majority of the time, I don't want to give a percentage, but I do think it's more than 50%. The majority of the time, God feeding me or encouraging me is through people, not visions. It's not, it's this, it's this. This is the body of Christ. And this is where our hope is going to come from. It may be through somebody who hasn't, you haven't talked to them in a long time, but then they reached out all of a sudden and they're there and they're saying, hey, let's grab coffee or something like that. And I'm telling you, that may be a divine appointment that somebody's coming to you. And maybe that is, so don't resist it. That may be in life group. We all are chatting away. This is why life groups are a big deal. And we're chatting, we're chatting, we're chatting. And somebody said something. And that touched a little bit of a nerve. And inside me, my, th- my thought is, just ignore it, move on, don't open up, just go past it. But maybe God is trying to use that person. So maybe I need to open up and say, hey, can you say that one again? Because that one touched a little bit of a nerve here with me. God wants to use people to reach people. That's what God is doing. He's touching people with his body. Maybe somebody's going to come to you today. And I wish I could see every person and make you know. Maybe someone is going to come to you today and say, I see something. What would you do today if somebody came to you today and said, I see something inside you? I see something you don't see. I love you. I care about you. 
but I see something you don't see that's dangerous. Would you resist? Would you accept? You don't know who you're resisting. You may be resisting the voice of God himself. You may be resisting the answer which you are praying for. Imagine if they had said that to Jesus. Jesus is coming to talk and they said, Jesus, we're mourning right now. We don't have time for your funeral procession. Go over there. Oof. They'd have missed out on something great. Bottom line, he is the hope of this world. He is the hope of every person. He is hope personified. He is the hope of us all. And I believe that there's no situation. No situation could be worse than what this lady suffered. Not just to her, but to her precious son. After all she had gone through, all she wanted was something. And today she ran into hope. And I believe hope is here in this room today. And it is here in this room today, in the presence of God in our midst, because we know that when two or three are gathered in his name, he is there amongst us. But I believe hope is also present in the form of this, the body of Christ, okay? And my hope and my prayer, my hope and my prayer is that those who are desperately in need of hope today will get a little bit of a lifeline. That's what we're talking about in this series that just around the corner from the worst is God's best. And my hope today is that no matter what situation you're in, that you would see that the hope of the world is here and you would seek his command and seek his touch and let him do what he does. Glory be to God forever. Amen. Blessed are